You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Not of the Scribe. We're going to get to the Dallas Mavericks Hornets game tonight. We'll get to a couple of the comments that James Borrego had. Who is going to be healthy for this game? Who is not? And we'll continue to look at some of the other trending storylines in the NBA as the show goes on as well. Also, is the schedule a little bit easier at the beginning of this thing than we originally thought because of injuries and just the way that the matchups might pan out? We'll get to all of that in today's episode of Locked On Hornets. Real quickly, Nada, let's go through the injuries with the Charlotte Hornets and the Dallas Mavericks, kind of tying into the schedule being a little bit easier. You look at this game against the Dallas Mavericks tonight. They're a great team. Um they have a lot of talent on this squad and you just saw what they did to the Clippers. It was embarrassing before they even got to the locker room. How about a 50 point deficit? The Clippers were experiencing before they even got to the locker room at halftime. And then it would stay the same. They would get beat by 50 only scoring 73 points. And I equated to looking at the Atlanta Hawks putting up 84 in the first half in the season's debut against the Chicago bulls and the Clippers, a championship contender, <laughs> Couldn't even put up 74 in a entire game against the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Kind of crazy, even without Kawhi Leonard. So the Mavs, despite that win, by the way, they're only one and two. They lose to the Suns and the Lakers in the first two games of the season. Both teams that made offseason moves at one is a champion, is, is a literal champion. And two, the Suns certainly are a lot better, but they destroyed the Clippers Um, so good on them, but here's the thing with the Dallas Mavericks, Josh Richardson is questionable as of, I believe an hour ago, we're recording this right before we hit one o'clock. So no confirmation on Josh Richardson yet, but if he's questionable, maybe not 100%, maybe you can take some solace in that, even if he does play and there's no Chris Stapps Porzingis who was really good in the bubble, but man, this guy misses so much time. Either way, it is only a positive for the Charlotte Hornets that Chris Stapps Porzingis is not going to play and Josh Richardson is questionable. You look at the Charlotte Hornets side of things. We know Cody Zeller is going to be out for a while, so he's not going to be able to go tonight. But P.J. Washington is after suffering that minor ankle injury. He did practice yesterday. He's going to be good to go to play against the Dallas Mavericks. So that's the injury update. What does all of that tell you in tonight's match? That this goes either one of two ways. Either the Hornets show up, play well, and again, they win or they don't play well. They get blown out and we're back to, oh, my God, the Hornets are worse than the Kawhi-less Clippers and the sky is falling all over again. That's the only two options for this right now, because otherwise we're talking about a team that I'm not sure we know what they're going to show up with. The Dallas Mavericks have been the best offense in the league for the last year plus. So. I wonder if this is the type of team that basically embarrasses the Hornets because they have so many different ways they can score because of obviously Luka Doncic just basically being a threat for being on the floor right now. Richardson makes it a little bit harder for them to score against. 
The only thing I really do wonder is if a guy like Dwight Powell or one of their bigs just feasts on the fact that this team still can't rebound. They're getting better, but whether or not they can rebound or not. Yeah, so it should be interesting because of those two guys' injuries and if that does allow the Hornets to actually take advantage of that. And thanks to Sam Purley, the math guy, the friend of the show, putting out some stats on his Twitter account. I have some of those here in the uh, rundown. And so kind of looking at some of the success that the Charlotte Hornets have had against the Dallas Mavericks recently, um, or excuse me, the lack of success, I should say, not the success, the uh, lack of success. Hornets have lost three of the last four to the Dallas Dallas Mavericks, but they did win in Dallas. And remember, that was the overtime game almost a year ago, almost to the day a year ago. That was January 4th of 2020. Um, Again, at the beginning, I guess, of this year, 123 to 120, one of the better wins of the season to that point. And then eventually, as the season would go on, you would rack up quite a few impressive wins before the season would end. But this is a really good one for the Charlotte Hornets when you look back on some of the best victories. And Nada, you look at the Charlotte Hornets against the Mavericks bricks in years past. I mean, I remember it was, I believe it was, man, it was like either the win or I mean the game before or like right after the all-star break, maybe it was before where they just got destroyed. Uh, and it was like the Dallas Mavericks had a, I think uh, I know which game you're a talking crazy about. schedule. Yeah, it was one of those Sega Baba, like six games and seven nights, and then the Hornets were supposed to be that sixth game on the seventh night, and you expected the Mavericks to take yeah. And I believe it was one of, I think it was one of those Kemba playoff push years. Oh, I actually, I do remember this game, because it was two years ago, and we thought that this <laughs> game was going to be one of those where the Hornets could gain ground because the Mavericks wouldn't be playing anybody, wouldn't do anything for real this, that, and the third. And then the Mavericks come out and basically curb stomp the Hornets. I do remember that because if I'm not mistaken, that was the game that made basically told everybody, okay, time to play the kids. We're going to do this differently now because the vets don't have it anymore. If I'm not mistaken. I, I, the only thing I remember about that one, that bad, bad loss, was that there were multiple NBA pundits saying that this was the most winnable game of the year. This was essentially the game that the Charlotte Hornets could not lose, and eventually they found a way to do it because of some crazy schedule that the Dallas Mavericks had had coming into that game. Either way, uh, at least the Hornets were able to exercise their demons in this last contest that they had, winning this last one. And Terry Rozier had 29 points, Graham had 27 and 13 assists in that contest, so both were 20-point games. Even Biz playing a decent-sized role with a stat line, 11 points and 13 boards. Miles Bridges gave you 11 points and 11 rebounds. So that was what we saw just last season from this team. And you look at no Chris Stapps Porzingis in this one. Um, you know, the, the Mavericks, they've, they've got some size. Uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis doesn't really count as a center because he's always going beyond the perimeter and he's so weak anyway. I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't have cared about, you know, PJ Washington is so much stronger than Chris Stapps Porzingis. I wonder how that would have worked out down low, but you know, Chris Stapps being out certainly just the way that he can shoot beyond the three, that's certainly going to help the Hornets. So um, yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule, not just real quickly diving into that. 
So remember how much injury luck the Hornets got yes. last year. It looks like you might be getting that at the beginning of the season again. So Dallas has a couple of injuries they're going through. Memphis is the game on Friday, New Year's Day. Memphis does not have John Morant for quite a while. So the Hornets catch the Grizzlies, at least at the beginning of them trying to figure um, out what they're going to do without Ja. Then you have, um, well, there's just a couple of injury luck there. And I think you have Philadelphia and then Atlanta, New Orleans, New York are the next couple of games but um you know it, it, it does look at least maybe a little bit easier slightly, in my opinion slightly. nada than maybe at the beginning um when you were uh looking at absolutely and i do really do believe that this schedule just kind of works out for them because and mind you i think we do have to put out the preface that hey we're not saying that this team is making the playoffs we're just saying from, from a competitive standpoint from the again the just the mere chance of winning games Injury luck is working in the favor of the Hornets once again. So this gives you, gives you a chance for these guys to feel good about themselves. But at the same time, no job Morant, probably no Justice Winslow, and definitely no Jaron Jackson Jr. in all of this. Like, we're just trying to say, quite honestly, that, hey, this is a good chance for us not to get curb stomped at the beginning of the season while they're st everyone's still trying to figure out their new roles, what their roles are going to be, this, that, and the third. And mind you, we still don't know what the New Orleans Pelicans are really going to be like, what Zion's going to be like, this, that, and the third. I'm just saying, from my perspective, this is a good chance for these Hornets to win some games, feel great about themselves, and to have some good tape to go into when we, when we start seeing these long stretches of losses that are event eventually going to come because, hey, this schedule is brutal, and 10 games in 16 days is also kind of brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get to that and James Borrego's comments on that here shortly. But as you say, Nada, you might be feeling a little bit better. We all know once we start to feel better about the Hornets, that's when they turn and eventually they don't live up to the expectations, the positive expectations. Just go see Cleveland and Oklahoma City after we were sniffing two and oh, excuse me, two and oh, right at the beginning. Um, let's talk about Bet Online AG. If you're ready for some football, you got bowl games going on as we speak, and plus one more week of the regular season in the NFL. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. If you want to place a bet, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. You don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. You can get in on the action and you can visit our good friends and exclusive partner at uh, betonline underscore ag on Twitter and social media to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business sign up for a free account and use promo code locked on for your sign up bonus hashtag bet online let's get to james borrego's comments this week coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets like you can't drop a name like anthony tolliver into the middle of a ring it's like dropping a piece of savory juicy meat in, in a lion cage, you know, if you drop Anthony Tolliver's name into this conversation, I'm going to attack that. it and I'm going to, I'm just going to rip it up. I know that. I know that once, Hey man, you got to stay away from Anthony Tolliver. It's going to make Doug into a rabid dog. I'm tall over it. 
It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. The holidays are about giving, so I'm giving you a hot tip that could earn you some extra cash. The new Locked on Bets uh, podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is red hot to start the season, and he shares a lock of the day on every episode. You can subscribe to Locked on Bets today wherever you get your podcast. Nada, you mentioned the Ted, uh, the 10 games in the next 16 games. That's quite a, uh, it's quite a lot. And Borrego mentioned that the minutes distribution will remain day to day, game to game based on feel quote. We have to be smart and efficient, making sure guys are getting recovery and treatment. And then there's one guy that hasn't gotten any run this year. It's Malik Monk because of the conditioning at the beginning of the season for him. But James Borrego did say, I've got no issues with Malik. He's doing everything that he can. It's more about the group around him that have solidified themselves. But Malik has been professional. He's been working. His conditioning is there. And so to me, Nada, it's if everybody else has solidified themselves and Malik isn't in there, then I, I do think you might have maybe not issues with Malik because of something that he's done so terribly wrong, but you're clearly going over with some other guys instead of Malik Monk. And, you know, when a guy like Kayla Martin might be getting some minutes and McDaniels has kind of been a part of the rotation, but not really. I don't think he's even reached 10 minutes in any of these games that we've seen so far. Um, is this finally the time that we see Malik just because you might need some fresh bodies? Absolutely. Now that he said, now that Borrego says Malik's conditioning is there, then it's just a matter of when, not if. And this is what I was trying to tell everybody a couple of weeks ago. Like Malik's just not there yet conditioning wise. And it's unfair to guys like it's just unfair to Malik himself, much less other guys. If you're expecting to compete night in, night out. Now, granted, there are there going to be games Malik doesn't play? Sure, it makes sense. But at the same time, if you're having these, if you're running these everything out there, like maybe Caleb Martin doesn't play, or maybe Cody Martin doesn't play, because at this point, what Caleb Martin's giving you is a little bit better and a little bit more than what his brother's giving you, and then you give, then you give Malik Cody's minutes. At some point, he's going to play. He's going to play a lot. How effective he can be in that, that's up to Malik. And at that point, it's up to Malik to either kick ass or else. Because if not, then hey, look at it this way. Uh, We've given him his opportunity. It's time to move on. And granted, it's not going to be after one or two games. But if Malik doesn't show up in this early stretch, I don't know when the next time we're going to see him is. Um, you look at a stat that Rick Bennell tweeted out. He said the combination, um, looking at the starting lineup and it's not been very good just in the 20, um, when you look at the, the minutes that the starting lineup has played all together this season, that combination of Bismack Biombo, PJ Washington, Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier, De- Devontae Graham, it's being outscored by 28.1 points per 100 possessions. And that's primarily about an inability to score 78.1 points per game per 100 possessions. And you look at how bad that's been. Not I look at that lineup and I look at one very big problem with it. And it's the fact that Bismack Biombo actually played 30 <laughs> minutes the other night, which is a problem with me. Like, look, we, we can talk. I, I'm tired of talking about the caveat with Biz because I, I do like Biz is on this roster. And I know that you don't have a whole lot of depth via the big guy. And I know Vernon Carey and Nick Richards, they're not ready to go. But man, is playing 30 minutes for biz really the answer to that? I I just think the outside help has to come at some point, or you just got to even attack more with the small ball lineup that we did see be effective this past game, even with PJ having some mental mistakes down the end of the uh, the, 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 the end of the game. Still, 
PJ for a while was actually looking a lot better in this one. So what do you make of Bismack Biombo getting the 30 minutes? Do you think that dwindles down or do you think we're going to see a lot of the same because of the lack of big man? Quite honestly, it's going to have to dwindle down because physically 10 games in 16 days. I like biz. I don't think any center is holding up to that with the pace, especially that the Hornets are doing right now. I really believe that at some point you're just going to have to go either you're going to have to dive in with either Nick Richards or PJ is going to have to play more. But but there's going to have to be someone, either Nick Richards or, like you said, the outside help. Dwayne Dedman is out there waiting to be acquired by a team. Now, granted, I understand why no one's picked him up because then you're going to have to sign him for the entire year rather than the 10-day contract. And I don't know when that year – sign him for a year 10-day uh, limit ends, but – if there was a way that a team could get someone on a 10-day, I think they would have signed somebody and used that roster spot already. The only reason I don't think they've done that is because you're going to have to sign the guy for the year. Otherwise, I would be completely mm-hmm. cool with giving Dwayne Dedman a 10-day and letting them figure it out from there. For right now, there is no help coming unless there's going to be a trade. And unless, the, again, unless the Hornets are in there to get a big man out of, let's say, a hardened trade that's eventually going to happen or some other big name trade where they're going to get assets for stashing a contract. I just don't see the help coming. So the help's going to have to come from the roster. And basically to quote a former GM here, the answer is going to have to be on the roster. <laughs> what were, who are you? Who are you? Uh, quoting uh, there? Miss, Mr. Gettleman, Mr. Gettleman. Okay, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I was like, wait, are you trying to make a Rich Cho joke? He does not sound like that. Uh, Yeah, that's a little bit better with Dave Gettleman. But yeah, man, I mean, I think when you're looking at this roster, you know, the the inability to score. Yes, part of that is because Bismack Biombo is not an offensive, uh, offensively gifted basketball player. But also now you look at Devontae Graham and it's not been good for him so far. Here's something I thought was noteworthy. Josh Eberle, I don't know if you saw this tweet that he put out there, but he was putting out all of the players that have more shots than points this season that have taken any kind of substantial amount. And you're looking at all of the different players that have been mentioned. You're probably talking about close to 10 guys like Andrew Wiggins and um, some other players were listed. Donovan Mitchell. I think he's got 61 points on 62 shots. So for most of the players there, it wasn't this huge disparity. If you took more shots than you scored points, it was really anywhere from from like four or, you know, to one or something like that. The point being, I think the second biggest disparity that was listed with all of those players that have more shots than points, it was Devonte Graham who has taken 44 shots and has only scored 37 points so far yeah. this season. There's only one player worse and not a, it's really bad. This How is bad? astonishing. Oh, Kelly no. Oubre. Oh. oh my God. Kelly, Kelly Oubre has shot it 40 times and has 17 points taking the cake for the biggest disparity between points scored and wow. shots taken. Devonte Graham, I think comes in second, according to that Everly tweet, and he's got 44 shots with 37 oh, no. points. So seven, yes, it's not good, but at least you're not even sniffing Kelly Oubre. But you got to try for that. Point though, being, Walker, you, you like you really got to try. <laughs> yes, you do. And he has been, and he has been trying. Um, you know, I, I thought, and I still think this, that Devontae Graham, can benefit from being off ball a little bit more when LaMelo's in the game. And I, I don't think the shots have been as hard for Devonte. I think he's gotten easier shots because the defense isn't 
focused on Devonte nearly as much as they were last season. And so I, I, you have to expect that percentage to go up. It's unfortunate that he's starting like this and it's only the three games, right? Like we're not saying that we have to, you know, fire off the panic alarm, but Devonte really not off to a good start um, scoring the basketball. At least he's facilitating 10 assist games in the first two contests. That's good. Like you, you like to see that from Devonte if he's not scoring, but man, you know, not, not seeing the ball go through the basket a whole yeah, lot. But the, the thing is, I'm not worried about his shooting because his floor game has been excellent. Like he's had, again, at least 10 assists in the first two games. He didn't have as many in the third game, but at this point, he's distributing the basketball. So even though he's not shooting well, he's distributing, he's moving the ball around, he's making sure the ball doesn't stick. That alone, that alone like granted, the defense could be a little bit better, but floor game-wise on the offensive side of the ball, I'm okay with it for right now. I can I, I can yeah. be okay with him not shooting well because at this point, I just I, like I said, as long as he's as long as he's doing one thing okay, I can forgive the shooting. If you're not doing anything and you're just being a net negative, then I have a problem. And more importantly, there are certain guys that, for, fortunately or unfortunately, will forever have the benefit of the doubt because I've seen them do it before. So therefore, I'm just going to like I said, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to assume the shooting hits at some point. But if not, then is it the worst thing to happen? And especially if you can, if you're the Hornets and his number comes down, considering where it was going to be at the beginning of this. <laughs> you you kind of want him to not have a great year, still pay him some type of extension, and then and then yes, awesome. is um, it the worst thing in the world? Yeah. That, um, if the number comes down, then no, I would like to see how much uh, that number would come down. But at that point, if the stats aren't there and he continues to struggle from deep, then you might not even want to pay him. I mean, no, you probably no, 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 no. Let's, let let's not get crazy. Let's not get crazy. I not. I think that's more of a you thing. I'd be interested to see how you would feel at the end of the season if this thing include. But again, we're three yeah, exactly. games in, man. Devonte, I expect the shooting. I expect the shooting to come at some point. I'm not saying he's going to shoot over forty percent this year from three point land, but I do expect those. Uh, I, I expect those numbers to certainly. They have to go up, and uh, hopefully, we get to see it tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. Let's talk about built go before we go to the last segment of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Whether it's a mental or a physical wall, you can break through it with built go every single day they come in easy to take one and a half ounce packages you can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever or your golf bag to power through the back nine on a course or put it in your pocket to get through the day built go is the best workout gel on the market and what's great about it is that it's kind of like that five hour energy without the same crash feeling plus it's natural so it's better for the body and the stuff has collagen it promotes joint soft tissue hair and skin health so that means that the stuff literally makes you look better Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's talk about some of the other games that have happened across the association coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. But what he showed in Summer League, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma could put him on the radar of a radar (laughs) radar. of all NBA. Yeah. On the radar on the radar of (laughs) all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah. Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah. I'm from, I'm from uh, Catawba County. So on the radar, it's time for more of the locked on Hornets podcast. 
If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, NBA analytics pioneer, and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get your podcast. Nada, you look at some of the scores that happened over the last couple of days or so in the association. I think one of the things that stood out to me was looking at Milwaukee set a threes record against the Miami Heat and just destroy, get some revenge on Miami. No Jimmy Butler in this game, which was a big deal. Sure. Still, I didn't expect the Bucks to win 144 to 97. And you see how many threes the Bucks were able to nail 29 three pointers off of the 51 that they took. Pretty impressive. With yeah. The you know, the funniest thing, the funny, the most impressive thing Miami did last night was in the post game where Eric Spolster said the Bucks must have been waiting 80 days for that kind of (laughs) for that kind of revenge and then come to find out it's been exactly 80 days like well done Spo again he shows he does his video work on everything but a lot of these results really does fit the like make or miss league thing you're either making them or you're not at this point in this season and this is kind of what we all expected a whole bunch of bad basketball because there are a lot of guys that aren't in shape or they're just exhausted from just having gotten out of the bubble so at this point a lot of this is just wild but milwaukee making that many threes like i hate to say this about this and diminish the regular season three four games in but Yo, I kind of want to see this like in the playoffs against a team and get Giannis to the Eastern Conference Finals, or else we got to have gonna have to start calling them Greek Harden. Like, there's that to this. <laughs> like, can we talk about the stretch that Chris Middleton has had at the beginning of the season? Because, good God, I hope I have a stretch in anything in life like Chris Middleton has had through the first four games of the season. Here are Chris Middleton's numbers. 57.6% from oh, the field, 51.9% from three-point oh, range on seven attempts per game. He's averaging 26.3 points per game and his free throw percentage on four attempts, 100. Has not missed a free throw. So, yes, if you're keeping score at home on 16 and a half field goals per game, seven three-pointers a game, shooting 57.6% from the field, 519 from beyond the arc, averaging 26.3 points per game. That's absolutely bonkers. He's not missing at all this season crazy to see what it's the revenge tour he's got a no one showed up no one showed up against Miami and they got (laughs) promptly escorted out of the bubble I do not blame him because again otherwise the slander was going to come and this way you know what maybe you prevent a little bit of the slander from happening that's cool so again Mm -hmm. thank you Chris Middleton do it in playoff time and then I'll take you seriously how about the Orlando Magic? They're off to a 4-0 and start. They beat the Oklahoma City Thunder 118-107. to Steve Clifford got that ball club doing pretty good things at the beginning. They actually beat the Miami Heat to open up the season. They beat the Wizards a couple of times in a row, and they're scoring a lot of points. You see what they've been doing. 113, 130, 120, 118. They are doing very well offensively, and not I saw your boy Nikias Duncan kind of tweeting out how Markel Fultz has been one of the more fun, real 
realizations at the beginning of the season, how well he's playing. Good to see a guy that is playing well. And then it kind of goes back to Steve Clifford, that coaching staff. We've seen what they've done with point guards before. Maybe you can attribute a little bit of that to what Markel Fultz Look, we've seen Steve Clifford turn around. Again, we've seen this personally. We've seen what Steve Clifford did for Kemba Walker. Why are we so shocked that he's doing this for Markel Fultz as well? And at this point, Walker, I'm convinced Steve Clifford could take me, you, Doug, again, David (laughs) Walker, and, you know, we'll even add our man Charlotte Sports Despair, and he could coach us to at least the nine seed in the East at this point. That's how good of a coach that I believe Steve Clifford is. He just does his work. Like, literally, people were going home from the bubble this, that, and the third. You know what Steve Clifford was doing? He was in the lab. Like, he was in the Like, literally, he was in the lab. <laughs> he was working. And he's like, okay, I'm going to take advantage of this, 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 and this in the season. And you know what? He's doing it. I'm very happy uh, to see this from Cliff, who deserves a Coach of the Year award for what he did in that first year for the, for the Bobcats. And I hope he gets it for, like, literally. This would be like a past due Coach of the Year award for Cliff if he gets it this year. Um, then I real quickly before we end today's show, I wanted to bring up one of the upcoming opponents for the Charlotte Hornets. You said you were a little bit more scared of now than you were at the beginning of the year. Nada. It's the New York Knicks. They knock off the Cleveland Cavaliers 95 to 86. The big takeaway for the Knicks. It's Julius Randle scoring 28 points and grabbing 12 rebounds against what we, uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. You look at what Julius Randle has been doing. People have been making fun of Randle because he's in a contract year. So this is when he decides to ball out. I mean, how about the three point shot for Randall? He's hitting at a 70% clip right now, taking over three a game again, only first four games, but also hitting 55% from the field, uh, averaging 25 points per game. You're, you're afraid of Julius Randall as someone that is just going to destroy. Look look, at this point. Like I'm afraid of any big man that can shoot threes and dominate in the paint. I am legitimately afraid of him. And they, they cause consternation and worry. They don't keep me up at night. They probably keep J, JB and all those other coaches up at night. But at this point, like, I'm kind of afraid. And more importantly, we should be afraid that, hey, someone might have it in their heads. Hey, let's go fix our internal, in, in, like, our inside presence woes with Julius Randle and trade Julius Randle here. There are multiple reasons to be afraid of Julius Randle. One of them is just what he does to us. The other is he may end up on our team by the end of this. Um, and, and just you know, looking at the Knicks, it's, it's on January 11th that they play. So you have quite a few games before the Knicks come up. But um, I just want to look at the big guys for the next few games for the Charlotte Hornets. You've got Dallas with KP out. There's not any huge guy that really scares you for Dallas. But then you look at Memphis. You're talking about Valanchunas and, um, you know, as somebody that has tremendous size, two games against the 76ers back to back. You're talking about Joel and Bede. Atlanta has Clint Capella and you wonder what Capella Pella can maybe do, and I, I don't. John Collins doesn't really count, but I'm kind of looking at more of the size. Capella is someone that maybe um, is interesting as far as who might match up, and then you go with New Orleans. They have Steve Adams after agreeing to that big contract um, with Stephen Adams uh, to bring him a part of that organization. So I, I just the big guy thing, man. You know, there, there's not too many people um, that you're going to at the five spot with this Hornets team that isn't a, you know, they're second rounders and it's not, and it's Bismack yeah. Biombo who, who's not playing well. They've just, you know, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they're able to handle some big size that is coming up for them in the uh, upcoming games that they have on their schedule. All right. That wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again for supporting the show. Tell your smart 
device to play the most recent episode of Hollinger and Duncan. Have a great day. We'll be back to recap this Hornets Mavericks game tomorrow.